are in Ukraine, COVID, the Biden presidency, and the elections. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Folks, good afternoon. Right now, it is 106, and you're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, dePietro.com. This portion of our program on this Tuesday is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery. Stop in and see them. They're open right now, whether it's lunch or dinner, maybe a nice drink, full bar, large dining area. Located right there, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln, right off of 146. And they have that big new outside deck you can sit on. The Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Well, folks, again, good afternoon. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. And I want to um, also, I want to just mention there's a a good story somewhat. Uh, We had... GOP chairwoman Susie Yankee on the program yesterday. If you're concerned about voting in Rhode Island, then you're going to want to hear what I'm going to tell you right now. Because it was um, there was a press conference yesterday at the State House regarding voting. And it was with uh, GOP chairwoman Susie Yankee and also State Senator Jessica De La Cruz. And in the Providence Journal story, that was done by Kathy Gregg about it, they, she kind of walks everyone through a little bit of some of the questions that were asked and then some of the answers. And I was initially going to go to this and it just didn't work for me time-wise. But it starts off invoking the well-documented mail ballot scandals of the CNC era. And potential evidence that a handful of Rhode Island voters voted twice in 2020. The state Republican Party sounded alarms Monday about legislation headed for Senate passage today, Tuesday, that would make it easier to vote. State Republican Party Chairwoman Susie Yankee, Republican State Senator Jessica De La Cruz, centered their concerns on the proposed elimination of Rhode Island's current requirement that two witnesses or notary attest the identity of a male ballot voter. Now... Again, this is difficult because I'm going off the interview and, or excuse me, the article in the Providence Journal. So I don't know if Susie Yankee, the chairwoman of the Rhode Island Republican Party, we don't know if she said more than this, answered more questions. I can only go with what's in front of us. So let me go. At the very least, they argued voters casting absentee ballots should be required to provide some form of identification, such as a driver's license or a state identification card number. There has to be a system where every eligible voter knows that the vote will be cast by them, and it's not an undue burden to provide an AD, uh, which proves you exist, Sienke said. Without an ID, you cannot open a bank account, drive a car. Get government assistance, fly in a plane, cash a check. Now, I could throw in, go to a doctor, go to a nursing home, get a prescription at CVS, can't get on a train, can't get a job. You know, you can't you can't do anything like that. Your vote should be as important as any of those life necessities. We never want someone to take your vote away. Now, I had an older relative. I had my old great aunt, Kay, and she never drove. So 
So she never got a driver's license. So as she got older, she had a neighbor that would uh, take her to the grocery store and then bring her back. And then there was a period of time we used to actually do the shopping for her. However, she had a bank account. And she also used to have to get prescriptions and go to the doctor and so forth. So conversely, she had an ID. So it's it's a completely false notion. So as Susie Yankee was saying yesterday, this business of without an ID, you cannot open a bank account, blah, blah, blah. But I, what I don't know is if there's someone really arguing that there are people that don't have an ID. So it goes on. No curbs on ballot harvesting. The two Republicans also lamented the absence in the 23-page bill of any restrictions on what critics call ballot harvesting, where campaign operatives, now listen to this part, go through nursing homes and high-rise buildings for the elderly, offering to help obtain and submit absentee ballots. Now, where that is also incomplete and wrong is... Ballot harvesting doesn't just take place in nursing homes and high-rise buildings. So I don't know, is that the reporter, Kathy Gregg, saying that? Or was that Sienke and Jessica De La Cruz saying that? Prohibiting the practice of mail ballot harvesting would help protect the integrity of elections by reducing the possibility of voters will be intimidated or bribed by campaigns, Sienke said. Now... But this goes on, that is not just in nursing homes or high-rise buildings. This goes on all over in neighborhoods, outside of factories on Cranston Street, uh, anywhere, especially where you have a lot of illegals voting or working. Excuse me. They campaign workers go. So I I have a problem with the campaign officers go to nursing homes and high-rise buildings. There was the famous case in Newport. They, they didn't go there. They just went to, like, low-income projects, so to speak. At the news conference, a spokeswoman for the coalition promoting the Let's Vote R.I. bill and campaign consultant told the media that the bill has safeguards to verify that an applicant for a mail ballot is who he or she says, including a signature matching requirement. But Sienke said that's not enough. Now, another thing that jumps out at me as someone that has followed this and known this, the signature matching requirement. Sienke says, well, that's not enough. But what is not clear in the story is in Rhode Island, an X can be used as a signature So this business of a signature matching requirement, how difficult is it for an X to match another X? And more importantly, if someone prints an X, does someone print another X that's entirely different than that X? So Sienke said that's not enough. But what I don't see again in the article is whether or not Sienke said we have to get rid of the that, that an X is an acceptable signature. I don't see that. I don't know if she said it and it wasn't reported or if she didn't say it. Now, in other states, you have to put on the mail ballot application either your driver's license, social security number, or driver ID vote. And for that, the Democrat Party started going nuts. So, But there has to be something that links you to that ballot. Now, 
basically the legislation headed for a Senate vote makes permanent certain accommodations made during the pandemic. So COVID leery voters would not have to vote in person. That included the temporary suspension of the witness requirement for mail ballots and the opportunity for voters to vote in person as many as 20 days in advance to avoid crowded polls on Election Day. Folks, I want you to understand, I am less, right now it's one fourteen. good afternoon, you're listening to the John DePietro Show. I'm less concerned about voter ID because that takes a lot to get someone to go to a polling place, stand in line, give a fake name, and then go into a voting booth and cast the vote. Because they do call out the name when you're there. I think I'm less concerned about that as the mail ballots. But I don't know that. I don't know if if that was said. And so I don't know, as I said, if is, is it lack of reporting or was that not pointed out? But what they should do is get rid of just an X and say, no, it has to be a real signature. Because let's be honest, if you, if I gave you 500 mail ballots and you had to sign them, if you just put X's, I mean, that. how difficult is that? It's not difficult at all compared to trying to guess how someone signs their name. So, But this is a problem where they want to now get rid of. It was a temporary suspension of the witness requirement, and now they want to make it permanent. But this business that you can vote as many as 20 days in advance to avoid crowded polls. Folks, what really comes down, though, is... If you go to vote early, they don't ask for your ID. I repeat, if you go to vote early, they don't ask for your ID. But where they, the campaigns really manipulate the voting is the, is the mail ballots and the absentee ballots. Where they really manipulate it is with those that don't have to go in person. That's who they really um, n- manipulates it. For more than a decade now... Rhode Island has required voters show up some form of identification when they vote in person. And that is true. But do you notice, do you see the other side, how the Democrat Party, they're never content with that. So all they've done is now up the level on early voting and mail ballots. The legislation winding its way through the legislation would allow someone to apply for a mail ballot online. But to do so, they'd be required to provide a driver's license or state ID number issued by the DMV. But that only applies to someone applying online for mail ballot. There's no voter identification requirement if you go in person. So there's no voter ID requirement now for requesting a mail ballot by any other means or submitting a mail ballot and having it counted. CXC covered a lot of ground, but it was on the signature point she focused concern. Mail ballot voting is susceptible to fraud. That, that is completely true. And the only thing is she started to go into, uh, I mean, the early 80s with CNC and how they kind of did things. And when you start to do that, you lose people. It's a shame that that is the example that she used because... I mean, you, you you can come up with much more recent. She didn't cite any. Listen to this line in the Providence Journal. Folks, right now it's 117. Sue Sienke did not cite any evidence of widespread fraud in 2020 when the witness requirement were suspended. 
But the thing is, here's the most important thing missing from that. No one was looking for any fraud in 2020 when that was suspended. Folks, I repeat and remind you, if you're not looking for something, you're not going to find it. If you go, if you sit in a rowboat on a lake with a fishing pole and bait, but if you never put it in the water, you come back to the dock and say, I was out there for four hours. I didn't catch a thing. If, if you're not looking for it, you're not going to find it. If no one is, is prosecuted for it, do I believe it was widespread fraud. There were many people. What I also don't understand is, and I think she addressed it somewhat about the voter rolls, but it certainly doesn't come out in this article where they just mentioned like two examples of it. I think there's there's far more, but I repeat, if you're not looking for it, you're not going to find it. It seems simple, and in some ways it should be. If, if in, in for... You know, for the for the media to say there's been no evidence. Yeah, but no one's looking for for it. No one's looking for it. Um, I also don't understand some of these numbers they're tossing around. Uh, let's see. What was left unaddressed was the sh- uh, shut in. Some of the drivers of the state. The DMV has issued 68,000 active state identification cards to people without driver's licenses. But they require an in-person visit to the registry. You know what wasn't addressed here are people that are automatically registered to vote. And the, the thing about that is that means they're automatically put onto the voter roll. Automatically put onto the voter roll. Since the state voter ID law was adopted, the Secretary of State's office has provided 2,523 voter identification cards. Now, what I don't understand is I distinctly remember when Ralph Mollis was Secretary of State and him saying that they they had given out 50,000. Now, now the number is 2,500. That doesn't match. I, I don't know what to... I don't know how to rectify that. How do you... uh, 2,500? That's way low with compared with how they were giving out these these cards when the program... I, I remember when it first... When it first started, they, you know, they were going around to malls and they were going to McCoy Stadium and, um, you know, that that goes back to 2011. Rhode Island voters get a free ID, state ID at upcoming events. So I don't I, I, I don't understand where now it's now they're saying it was just. It's come down to now they're just saying twenty five hundred twenty five hundred. It was it was much more than that. That, that was a full push he went on. Um, and he was giving out these free voter ID cards. Ralph Wallace was. So I, I, I come back to, I, I thought the number was, I don't, I don't understand. But again, I'll, I'll circle back. And I, for some reason, remember that they had a lot of success with that and how many they were giving Folks, it's 121. I want to go into some of the...
the national news a little bit. Boy, there's there's um, no shortage locally, though, of these these bizarre cases regarding some of these with adults and children. And they're there. They did have a hearing, by the way. Yesterday, as I mentioned in the first hour, regarding that there there are still these progressives that want to legalize prostitution in Rhode Island. And they seem to be completely unconcerned on the difficult nature of it, what it could lead to. Uh, completely unconcerned about that. Folks, this portion of the Gender Petro show on this Tuesday is brought to you by It's My Health. We had a great day on Saturday. We saw my friend Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Interesting people there. It was an energy fair. We have the video online. Uh, on Facebook, but stop in and see her diagonally across from Davidport Restaurant. It's my health. Vitamins, herbal remedies. You also have local products, acai, honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum. It's my health. They also have um, CBD, hemp and CBD products for oral and topical use, whether it's for you or for your pets. Stop in and see them. I was there on Saturday. Maria's terrific. It's my health. 1099. Menden Road in Cumberland. Folks, good afternoon. Right now at 123, you're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. This portion of the John DePietro Show is brought to you by the Centerdale Revival. Comfort food and cocktails. Stop in and see them. 2025 Smith Street in North Providence. Delicious food, delicious drinks at the Centerdale Revival. All right, let's go to, um, there's the uh, bizarre story of this this guy in um, the the Westerly Democrat chair. Oh, okay. There was a disturbance in Warren earlier this morning. I almost went to that. Police man shot BB gun at bedroom door in Warren. Boy, these people with the BB guns. They responded of reports of a man shooting a BB gun at a bedroom door on the first floor. They were notified the suspect, 44-year-old Silva, Sylvia D'Amico, may also have a silver handgun. Um, very odd. That was a big uh, police standoff. Warren had that. They had the 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 whole situation with the. Um, they also had that that situation with that that poor poor guy Brian, uh, who was um, killed at the social club. But I want to play the Channel 12 report, folks. This is and, and no one from the Democrat Party seemingly is going after the guy at this point. But let me hear um, this latest story. Now. is charged with two counts of first degree sexual assault. And tonight we're learning it's not the first time he's found himself in the headlines. I'm Shannon Heggie. And I'm Kim Kalunian. The attorney general's office announced the indictments against Robert Rotaco today. Shocking some fellow Democrats. Once the charges became public, Ritako was also suspended from his job as a Providence City employee. 12 News reporter Shino Loshudo has the details on the developing story. Well, according to court documents, these sexual, assault, these sexual assault charges stem from an incident from May of 2021 in Westerly. And only hours after this all became public, people are already calling on this man to resign. 
A one-page indictment gives a glimpse into the charges Robert Rotaco faces. The document, signed by the state's assistant attorney general, alleges the chairman of Westerly's Democratic Town Committee sexually assaulted a woman at the end of May 2021. In both counts, the state accuses Rotaco of sexually assaulting the woman while he, quote, did know or had reason to know she was physically helpless at the time. Ritako previously served as a Westerly Town Councilor in the 90s, and according to the Westerly Democrats' website, he served on several town boards, too. Currently, he's also the treasurer of the Rhode Island Association of Democratic City and Town Chairs, which is an organization representing local party leaders in all 39 municipalities in the state. Since the charges were made public, however, 12 News is told by the organization's leader, Ritako has informed them he will be taking a leave of absence from his role in the statewide Democratic Democratic group. At least one fellow association member is calling on Rotaco to resign amid the allegations. Exeter's Democratic Chair Megan Cotter wrote in a tweet reading in part, it's important to hold people accountable no matter what party they're from. I hope that my fellow chairs also call for his resignation. And in 2008, 12 News reported that while working as a state house auditor, Rotaco was charged with filing a false police report, alleging his state-owned laptop was stolen. Though that case was ultimately thrown out by a judge. Now, Rotaco is scheduled to answer to these charges in Superior Court in about one month. I'm Sheena Lushudo, 12 News. Now, again, um, some of the... Some of the, apparently, these Democrat cheers are saying something, but not all, not all. And what also um, is just really odd is the fact, as I said earlier, that it, it didn't stop the guy. I, I don't think I know him. It did, certainly didn't stop him from going to an event where Governor McKee was and having his photo taken with Governor McKee. That's a recent thing. Now, then there's this other weird story. This guy from Rhode Island who he's found in Massachusetts with two young girls. He's 23 years old. And when they catch them, catch him, excuse me, he tells the police that he is 16 years old. I don't know what to make of these there, there us does almost seem to be it, it it's it's just a an epidemic right now of these individuals. Here we go. Listen to this story. Rape in Massachusetts. 23 year old Jaron Soltis appeared in court this afternoon. We told you about his arrest over the weekend. 12 News reporter Matt Connick joins us now live in studio with what was revealed at the suspect's arraignment. Matt? Yeah, Kim, according to court documents, when police arrived on scene to the area of Pleasant Street, they found Jared Soltis with two young girls and a bottle of vodka. 23-year-old Providence man Jared Soltz was seen in front of a judge today in Plymouth District Court after being arrested early Saturday morning for aggravated statutory rape of a child and procuring liquor to a person under 21. Hanson police were tipped off by a young boy and his mother who walked into the Hanson police station with a Snapchat video that allegedly shows 23-year-old Jared Soltz in the backseat of a car with one of the victims engaging in a sexual act. Court documents say the young boy threatened to call the police and that's when one of the two victims blocked him, but not before he was able to see their location. Hanson police quickly dispatching. 
finding Soltis and the two female victims ages 12 and 13. Police say they asked Soltis for his name, saying he was hesitant to respond, but said it's Jared and that he was 16 years old. After getting the victims out of the car, police say they found a bottle of vodka in the back seat and asked the driver for his ID, which he stated he didn't have. That's when police say they found his wallet under the driver's seat, his license inside, identifying him as 23-year-old Jared Soltis. Police then arrested Soltis for aggravated statutory rape and procuring alcohol to a person under the age of 21. WCVB Boston spoke with the father of one of the victims over the phone, and he tells them he's grateful for their work. has pled not guilty today in court and was released on a $5,000 bond. In studio, Matt Pettick, 12 News. I mean, again, we'll, we'll go over uh, that story with, with our legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd, but it's another, um, it's another pretty odd type of story. Now, folks, again, good afternoon. It's the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Now, the big news of the day, and I believe you just heard it, is the fact that Vice President Kamala Harris, who who doesn't even do a lot, by the way, where she suddenly now has uh, tested positive, and now the big worry, you know, it almost seems a matter of time that whether or not there's going to be that Biden is going to run into problems with this, that they're going to their paths are going to cross, um, and who knows where she is actually at this point. But I want to um, I want to just play that this. This is odd now that um, that she has, in fact, tested positive. And they can get access to it because it is, is very effective in treating COVID. Currently, the free antiviral treatment is available at about 20,000 sites around the country. But the Biden administration has a goal of doubling that within weeks by allowing pharmacies to order it directly from the federal government. The White House also wants to make more people aware of the government's one-stop test-to-treat website called COVID.gov. Americans can search the website for one of 2,200 pharmacies offering COVID testing, a medical assessment, and a prescription. You know, the, Har- the uh, um, Harris, the, her whole element, folks, and again, good afternoon at 131. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and, 90, and 99.9 FM. You can listen online at the website, dePietro.com. There was a report over the weekend. Uh, there was a story that that uh, Jill Biden, the first lady, that she did not want, that she absolutely did not want uh, Kamala Harris to be the the vice president. So, and, and I, you know, as we have talked about, she talked about, you know, low approval ratings. She she just doesn't seem to, to do anything that makes sense. She doesn't seem to be um, assisting the administration in it in any way, and I just don't. Um, I I just don't. I that's why I think. I think I'm also seeing Russian linked hackers say they've hacked Coca Cola. That's breaking, folks. I um. I. I experienced that. Uh, firsthand, as a matter of fact, and as far as as and I've kind of talked about, boy, the problems I I ran into in entering 
um, Ukraine, and it's those Russian hackers. Somebody connected with them is um, very, very um, successful, if you will, or they're very uh, adept at, at being able to do that and and make it work. I mean, it, it's really brutal. So let's see. Here's another story. Biden snapped at Kamala so harshly, GOP senators were taken aback. See, it does open the door for 2024 talk, but not of her. Not of her. And what happens if, in fact, you know, as much as everyone talks about they'd like to you know, have Biden step aside or invoke the 25th Amendment. She becomes the president. So, boy, that story is everywhere. She has tested positive for COVID. It's not the first time either, though, I don't think. Um, let's see. Public safety lieutenant says Providence College has harassed him and stripped him most of his duties because he's black. That doesn't sound like a positive story for the school. Members of the college coalition and racism are going to hold a news conference to protest the treatment of Lieutenant John Dunbar. Spent 32 years calling on PC, remove the public safety administrators who are engaged in harassment. Now, this is whoever this group is or, or others. I've, I've uh, written about at Providence College how they've the the public safety Uh, office has stopped identifying suspects by gender or race. So they had that incident where some students said that a man who was speaking Spanish, uh, who was dark skinned, tried to sexually assault one of the students. And boy, they, they absolutely, um, they went after and then cost the job of someone who was working there. So this story is really taking off. They failed to stop retaliation and harassment of Lieutenant John Dunbar. I don't know what to make of this story. We'll wait and see how it plays out and we'll get more. But I want to go to the latest now with Elon Musk and taking over Twitter. I think it's a absolutely a... Um, Positive. The Harris story is everyone. See, you know what's interesting is when you don't make news a lot the way she hasn't. And then suddenly, like, this is what she's in the news for, the vice president. Why is she in the news? Because she she tested positive for COVID. So let me also say this. Um, I want to just find this latest story. on. Okay. Uh, Elon Musk buying Twitter. Let me hear uh, this story from ABC. Take it private. The CEO of Tesla and SpaceX and world's richest person on track to be the social media giant's new owner. Likely in the next six to nine months, pending the approval of regulators. News of the deal met with shock, concern and cheers across, well, Twitter. Musk tweeting he wants to make Twitter better than ever, adding that the platform has tremendous potential. 
Twitter has become kind of the de facto town square. 50-year-old Musk recently accumulated a 9% stake in the company and will pay $54.20 per share to buy the rest. Twitter's stock closing up 5.7% at the end of trading Monday. Twitter founder and ex-CEO Jack Dorsey giving Musk his endorsement, writing, Elon is the singular solution I trust. I trust his mission to extend the light of consciousness. At overnight, reports of an all-hands meeting at Twitter, staff raising many concerns over their compensation and whether former President Trump will be allowed back on the social networking platform. Trump issued a statement shortly before the deal was announced saying he won't return to the platform. Musk has been open about his desire for free speech and to make Twitter more transparent. He signaled possibly bringing back banned accounts, kicking bots off the platform, and giving users an edit button, something he addressed at a recent TED conference. I think uh, you, you, know, you, you, you only have the edit capability for a short period of time, and probably the things to do at, upon the edit would be to zero out uh, all retweets and favorites. Musk's longtime rival, Amazon founder Jeff Bezos, was up tweeting about what this deal could mean. He asked whether China may have just gained some leverage over Twitter. Musk sells a lot of Teslas in China. Could China pressure him on Twitter? Bezos ultimately concluded Musk is extremely good at navigating this kind of complexity. For comparison, Bezos spent about $250 million to buy the Washington Post. This is going to cost Musk $44 billion. There's so many questions, and we were peppering you with a lot during the piece. <laughs> and still a lot to be answered. Yeah. He hasn't gotten in there and met with the employees yet, so a lot of things can change when that happens. We know you'll be watching it. Thanks All for right, me. folks, and again, good afternoon. Right now it's one thirty-nine. This portion of the John DePietro Show is brought by Brothers Disposal. Come on, brother. Call Brothers Disposal. Are you doing some spring cleaning? Well, let's get a dumpster in your driveway. Brothers Disposal, Brother Roland. They'll deliver it right to your home or business. Brother's Disposal. Roll off dumpsters. Give them a call right now. Free estimate. 401-688-0517. 401-688-0517. Brother's Disposal. And also, they're now offering weekly trash collection services. Look for them on Facebook. Get a purple dumpster for your driveway with Brother's Disposal. 401 688 0517. You know, all of this um, talk about what, what's going to happen as far as with Pre- President Trump, as I've said earlier, right now, he's got his own difficulty that he's trying to navigate. And that has to do with with what's happening with his own app, which is this uh, Truth Social. All right, let's get to the latest now on the war. And uh, top Russian officials are warned that there's a real danger. This whole threat of the nuclear is um, is a real danger. I want to hear this. The cultural landscape of Kiev changed before our eyes. This bronze statue you see behind me has stood since 1982 and was meant to represent friendship between Russia and Ukraine. It's being taken down today in response to this war as world leaders meet to discuss more help for Ukraine. Overnight, officials from more than 20 countries convening in Germany to discuss how to support Ukraine in its fight against Russia. You know, Putin never imagined that the world would rally behind Ukraine so swiftly 
and surely. This comes as Russia's foreign minister in an interview with state media warns this conflict could escalate to World War III, with it bringing the potential for nuclear war. He says the risks are substantial. I wouldn't like these risks to be artificially inflated. The danger is serious, it is real, it cannot be underestimated. The Ukrainian foreign minister responding, Russia losing its last hope to scare the world off of supporting Ukraine, thus the talk of a real danger of World War III. This only means Moscow senses defeat in Ukraine. President Zelensky saying the fate of Europe, the fate of global security, the fate of the democratic system is being decided. In western and central Ukraine, Russia striking at least five railway stations and fuel sites. Authorities believe the Russians were trying to disrupt Ukrainian supplies heading east to the southeast. In Mariupol, Ukrainian fighters holding on at the besieged Azovstal steel plant. This video, shared by Russian state-affiliated media, shows a Russian vehicle firing explosives date the video was taken is unknown. The rest of the city is in ruins. After weeks of bombardments, Nina is in the city with her daughter. She says, we have lost everything, absolutely everything, all we've worked for. And as the Russian offensive escalates throughout the country, the British Defense Ministry assessing the Russians have taken massive casualties over the course of this war, with around 15,000 soldiers killed in action. The U.N. General Secretary is expected to meet with Vladimir Putin today in Moscow before coming here to Ukraine. World leaders are still leaving the door open to diplomacy as this war reaches 62 days. Meanwhile, here in Kiev, in addition to removing the statue, there are plans to rename 200 Russian-related streets in response to this war. George. Now, there was also interesting discussion, folks. And again, good afternoon, 142. I like this uh, retired colonel, his evaluation right now of where things where things last uh, are. Retired Colonel Steve Gannon. Steve, uh, on top of Defense Secretary Austin's uh, goal now, saying stating the goal that the goal is to weaken Russian's forces, we have this new estimate from the British, 15,000 Russian dead. What do you make of that? Yeah, uh, George, you think of that number, uh, and that is more than twice the number of U.S. losses in Iraq, Afghanistan combined over 20 years. So uh, it's a baffling uh, testament to the uh, incompetence of the Russian military. To be fair, two different kinds of wars, but what we see the Russians doing uh, is leading to these great number of casualties. And we're now seeing the Russians moving in on the east, kind of an old-fashioned war. It is an old-fashioned war, but they're not doing much differently. You know, they, they tried to concentrate all these forces into the Donbass, but they still continue to commit the forces piecemeal, and they've made no significant gains. So the status quo remains in the Donbass and most of Ukraine. And in the face of all this, we have the Russian foreign minister warning of nuclear war? Yeah, I think there, there's uh, something interesting there. Obviously, Lavrov's the one that, that rattles the nuclear saber. <clears throat> uh, we probably ought to pay attention to that because it tells us how desperate the Russians are becoming. Uh, but I also think that one of the things he said in that uh, interview is that the, this is a proxy war for the U.S. and NATO against Russia. And some of that rhetoric you mentioned about the Secretary Austin saying that we are intending to hobble the Russians and the NSC saying that we intend for this to be a strategic defeat for the Russians. That feeds into Russian paranoia and I think it's a change in rhetoric. Very interesting out of the White House, and it won't be the last time we hear the nuclear saber rattled by the Russians. You know, that is, um, folks, very dramatic update in regards to the war and what's what where that stands, where is it going. Uh, again, good afternoon. Right now, it's 144. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. This portion of our program, folks, it's brought to you by Lawn Doctor. Right now, this season, your best lawn ever 
guaranteed. And all you have to do is go to their website, which is lawndoctor.com, and then you just put in your zip code, and then you get a free, easy quote. You can call Lawn Doctor of Rhode Island right now. They want to be your lawn care company. 401-392-1025. or online at lawndoctor.com. So, uh, right now at 145, now again, I encourage you to visit the website, depetro.com. The, um, you know, Elon Musk just put out, I hope that even my worst critics remain on Twitter because that is what free speech means. I also like, people were upset over Fox News host Kennedy suggesting that public schools be eliminated. She is 100% right on that. And I know that some of the, those on the, the far left were upset about it. But without question, the, the whole experiment of the public schools, of the, the public schools, it, 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 it's failed. Um, I don't know how you could even look at it to say that, especially, like, look at what's happening in Rhode Island, where you have obviously... You have students, and I want to hear from Kennedy, but the the reason why they cannot make changes to improve the Providence Public Schools, and it's very simple, it's because the union is so powerful, the union is so powerful, and on top of that, not only is the union powerful, but the union, teachers union, controls the politicians, the elected officials. So therefore, you're, you're not going to get any type of changes coming from something like that. So I want to, um, let me play, here it is. Kennedy talking about public schools should be eliminated. This was on Fox. I want to hear this. Yes, and the superintendent has to prove that he was ostracizing players and, you know, not favoring them if they didn't participate. They, so far, what I have seen, they have not proven that. This will be a very important case for religious liberty, uh, but also maybe a great time in our country's history where we rethink whether or not we have public schools. Maybe we should not have the government involved in education at all. Uh, so parents and teachers and administrators can make those decisions themselves instead of having the government impose it on them because it is the public school aspect of this that is creating the legal challenge. And what do we do with the people who can't afford private? Like, what does that look like? Because each state allots some money, so they would get that money, I would assume. Isn't that what Florida wanted to do? That's what Florida wanted to do. Yeah, that's what Florida wanted to do. Yeah, you could have, you could have, we could entirely rethink, okay, I'll tell you why I say that. It's because the two most powerful teachers unions in the country are opposed to Coach Kennedy. They they are using their, their heft and their influence to make sure that he loses this case. Emily, you've dealt with the Ninth, Ninth Circuit before. This is a case that came up through the Ninth Circuit previously. You know, they are, again, I, I agree with that. I completely, uh, it, it should be like that. I don't know why it couldn't be that way, as a matter of fact. So, and, and that that is also something that in Rhode Island, that they would be very aggressive against, and that is this whole business of vouchers. I want to go back to, here is the individual that uh, Peter Schweitzer brings the receipts, the Biden crime family, 
This was on Maria Bartoloma. She has a Sunday show on Fox News. And this guy was talking a big game. He's the one that claims that Governor Raimondo was worth $1.8 billion. I want to hear this. Yeah, the only thing I would add, Maria, to that, and I think Miranda's exactly right, is uh, we have in the background of all of this uh, the simple fact that, you know, the Democratic establishment, to a certain extent, seems to be turning on Joe Biden. I think it's a reflection on his low poll numbers, the fact that he's dragging down the ticket. And we want to believe that these decisions about American justice and the role of the attorney general is going to be made on the merits of the law. Uh, But Joe Biden is not you know, the rock star of the Democratic Party right now. And I'm sure there are certain elements that would just as soon that he leave the stage at some point, uh, even if that leaves us uh, with the vice president in charge. Peter, you also cite multiple instances of Joe having off-the-books meetings with Chinese officials in Obama's White House. Tell me more about that, because the Secret Service claims that they have no records of, uh, of anybody who visits Biden in Delaware. Could this be possible? Oh, yeah. No, it's, it could be possible in the sense that um, they don't catalog it as they should. Uh, but no, it's very clear. I mean, there were in the uh, in the laptop and in the other email collections we have from Bevan Cooney and others. I believe Miranda has that collection as well. Uh, instances where Chinese officials, this includes CCP officials and businessmen, came to the White House in 2011. Uh, and they appear in the White House visitors logs, meters logs, meeting with certain officials. Uh, But there's no mention of a meeting with Vice President Joe Biden. But if you go back and look at their social media uh, and some of their uh, web uh, statements, uh, they indicate that they did, in fact, meet with Vice President Joe Biden at that time. And when you trace it back, you see that there was a meeting that they was on the official White House visitors log in one room and Joe Biden's office was next door. Um, To me, uh, this is extremely troubling, of course, because what it means is they're trying to conceal who Joe Biden is actually meeting with. And there are other examples that Miranda has cited from Ukraine and Kazakhstan. Uh, And so this is a pattern. When political figures are trying to hide who they're meeting with, especially when those officials are business partners or prospective business partners of their family members, uh, that to me is hugely important evidence to show what's really going on in this scheme. Miranda. Absolutely. Peter's spot on. It's the secrecy, really, and the cover-up and the denials that tells you a lot about what Joe Biden uh, was up to and his involvement in his family's influence peddling scheme. He was knowingly the product and uh, intimately involved. And uh, we see that in, uh, I mean, we just uncovered on the weekend this story about the 19 times that Hunter Biden's business partner, Eric Schwerin, went to the White House and met with uh, assistants of Joe Biden and Jill Biden and met Joe Biden once, uh, at at least, that we know of. And, you know, Eric Schwerin was the president of Rosemont Seneca, Hunter Biden business but you can see it was a family business because yeah. he has you know I, I don't know what to make that that was the same segment where the, this guy said that that he had a big blockbuster story coming on Gina uh, Rhode Island Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo and then the fact of the matter is though when he's come out with the story there's 
there's just there's there's nothing that that touches on how he came up with that figure. He I'm not trying to beat, but I, I don't understand how, you know, he certainly got people's attention when he said he had this blockbuster story on former Rhode Island governor and the uh, now Commerce Secretary in the Biden administration. You know, he came out and said he's got a big blockbuster story on her. He listed that her wealth is $1.8 billion according to Forbes, which would be an astronomical increase in one year. But when he listed the Forbes article, um, the in the Forbes article, it says that her and her husband, the former first gentleman of Rhode Island, that their shared wealth is $10 million. So I, I I don't know what to make of that. And um and it got a lot of play, as I've mentioned. And there were there was no shortage of people that certainly um you know were very happy to share that and I and, and I haven't seen any follow up on it, by the way. No one else has picked up on it, I don't believe. So I, I don't know what to I mean, I'd like to try to have that guy on. Um I just don't know what to make of that that he's you know making that's that's an incredible allegation to make but with with nothing then in fact to back it up folks at 154 you're listening to the john DePetro show on am 1380 and 99.9 fm this portion of the program is brought by competition shooting supplies listen today's tuesday april 26th and they are open stop in and see john francis at competition shooting supplies Easy to get to. You take the last exit in Rhode Island, located 435 Benefit Street in Pawtucket. It's competition shooting supplies, firearms, ammunition, competition shooting supplies. Stop in and see them today. And remember, you can also sell your uh, firearms to John Francis. So I'm seeing right now also there's uh, some new polling numbers that are out regarding both President Biden and Vice President Harris. Uh, most voters disapprove. Um, well, her her approval ratings are nowhere. And then I also, I think they flashed who would be the candidates on the Republican side for 2024. I did see that. Tim Scott, Josh Hawley, Ted Cruz, Tom Cotton, uh, Pompeo. Uh, Nikki Haley and Governor DeSantis. Who's missing from that? President Trump, Josh Hawley, is also uh, missing from that. I think someone to watch, folks, with, uh, and by the way, Competition Shooting Supplies, look for them on Facebook. They have a uh, terrific Facebook page. This portion of the John DePietro Show at 156 on this Tuesday is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery. Stop it and see them. 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Delicious food and drinks. You can either sit inside side large dining area. And then they also have that big outside deck. It's the Lodge Pub and Eatery. 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. So um, let's see. Let me just also see that. Um, 
who put that? I, I don't... Who tweeted that at me? Oh, okay. He is the representative in uh, candidate for Rhode Island House Rep District 45. He should put his name there. <laughs> I don't know his name. Uh, let's see. He looks like a good guy. He put it's deeply concerning the General Assembly is devolving into. Good thing there's a long line of great candidates ready to enter. Um, he has husband, father, proud son, brother, friend, Rhode Island, a candidate for Rhode Island House District 45. But what's missing is his name. I'm just going to shoot him a quick, please put your name on your Twitter bio. That's, that's a different one. I don't know who that is. Hopefully he'll change that. He's got his website, Rando for Rep. Let me see if this, what this comes to. Okay, get off the sidelines. Vote Rando. Hmm. Thomas Rando. Okay, there you go. Thomas Rando. Well, he certainly seems like a, a serious candidate. Thomas Rando, District 45. Not sure who he's running against. But the language for some of the uh, progressive candidates, they don't care. They don't, they don't care in any way. So um, that, and it's the progressives. They just have this thing where they think, um, and then they make all of these uh, comments that, about that their language is okay. And then, of course, they, they go and say, well, what about President Trump? And he said the following and blah, blah, blah. Folks, good afternoon. Right now it's one fifty nine, and you're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Now, coming up, you're going to hear the 2 o'clock news, and that will be followed by the John Dion program. And back, back, I am back on the radio tomorrow at 11. Remember, visit the website, depetro.com. If you want to reach me that way, if you want to contact me, it's a direct email. You can do that if you want to support the show. We also have the gift shop. You can go into the shop and get some great merchandise from the show, whether it's a mug or a t-shirt or a hat. It's a happening. Plus, you can read the independent report, and it's all right there at the website, D-E-P-E-T-R-O.com, D-P-T-R-O.com, no eyes. Folks, enjoy this Tuesday and stay tuned for the 2 o'clock. WNRI, Winsocket, W-260-DC. W-N-R-I.